Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight's case is Ellen Greenberg. Ellen was a 27-year-old woman who was found dead inside her apartment. Ellen had multiple stab wounds and a knife lodged in her chest. The question was, did Ellen kill herself or was she murdered? I'm Kylie. And I'm Thena. And tonight we have a mysterious case to share with you. We are just finished up with the holiday season. Well, the Christmas season, if you celebrate. Yeah. Happy ho- happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah, the Christmas season. Because yeah. it'll come out before New Year's. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of when this time frame hits. So, And then we have another really important holiday right after that. <laughs> They're talking about their birthday. <laughs> <laughs> My birthday. <laughs> if any of our listeners don't know when Athena's birthday is, then Do you're not really six? a listener. <laughs> So a funny story about birthdays real quick. My birthday specifically. Uh-huh. The other day someone asked me and they said, blah, 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 your birthday. And I said, yeah, sometimes it, I don't feel my age. And they said, yeah, you don't seem like it. Sometimes I go, yeah, it's hard to think that I'm 42. <laughs> and then I paused and I looked at them and I go, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. I'm not 42. I'm 32. And then another minute or two go by and Scott looks at me and he goes, Tina, you're not 32 either. <laughs> <laughs> what goes, you will be 32 he goes you're only 31 years old and i go oh my god i've been telling people i'm 32 all year long <laughs> sorry <laughs> um i did that the other day too because we're the same age mm-hmm. uh and i definitely i was like am i turning 33 i'm gonna be 33 right no no and then <laughs> when i was telling the story to Corey, i thought i messed up the time again and so i was like blah 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 wait how old am I and I was like hold on I gotta use a calculator and he's like <laughs> excuse me <laughs> says him mm-hmm. he does the same thing it's just hard remembering you get old and your brain doesn't do the thing anymore my grandma completely missed a, a year I think it was I think it was 36 she's like I'm I'm 37 now <laughs> just it's like, just no. hard to remember those things you don't have anything important to look forward no. to anymore yeah so yeah, yeah. math Eh, who cares about it? Once I turn like 50, maybe I'll care again. Uh, if I remember, who knows if I'll remember once the 50 rolls around, because I'll be like, ah, I'm 53 yeah, like, already. I was going to say, you're like 49. <laughs> we're like, yeah, I'm 52. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good at this stuff. So, do you have anything else? I mean, we had a little movie watching party the other night that you guys all saw on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It was good. It was a good movie. I like it. I love Saltburn. I'm a little offended that you thought that I wasn't going to like it. I didn't think you were going to like it. Dana thinks I'm a basic bitch. No, that is not it. That is not. It is more the theme of genuinely the movies that I have deemed that Kylie would like. I'm always wrong on. And the ones that I think she won't like, she does end up liking. So I was like, I'm going to go into this. I'm just going to think she's not going to like this one because at first I thought she would have liked it. So I was like, the fact that I think she's going to like it means she won't. So I'm like, she's not going to like it. So I deemed myself that she would not like it. And then she decided to fuck me over and like it. No, I like the, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like the The vibes of it. Well, yeah, but like the, the film heavy stuff. Like I like that. Like I like a 24 and all of that. So I'm, I just don't like horror movies. Honestly, 
there aren't a lot of movies I don't like because I will watch the stupidest like rom-com there is. Which, by the way, anyone but you, the rom-com that just came out that everyone was nervous would be stupid. It is one of the funniest rom-coms I've seen in years. Really? Very cute. Okay, that's good to know. I was actually impressed with it. That's good to know. Glenn Powell was amazing. That's and I he's like so him good. as a person. Like I like him as an actor. Like yeah, I like how he plays things. So I'll have to go see it. Um, tonight we're about to dive into the case. We want to give one disclaimer tonight. Tonight we are doing things a little bit differently. Shiro is away for the evening. He is staying with his grandparents, which means that we decided to bring a secondary dog into the house. <laughs> so Cowboy is with us tonight in the studio. So Cowboy and Saber are here and. The fact that I have to give a disclaimer should give you guys a hint at how bad of a scenario this is. But we have two of the rowdiest puppies ever. And Cowboy is. Cowboy brings it out in Saber, but yeah. He's a noisy puppy. Yeah. Every time people meet him, they are like, wow, you're a dog. Never shuts the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. He's just like a he likes to communicate. He whimpers. He moans. He grumbles. He groans. (laughs) He does every type of noise on the face of the planet 24-7. He's also not quite sure, not 100% sure on how stairs work. Yeah, he like kind of (laughs) falls down them still. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't know how to do that, just down the stairs. So if there are some mess ups tonight with some sound bits, we are sorry. We're trying again. It's because we decided to do something different. Also still a little sick. Kylie so. has a long COVID. <laughs> Kylie's just going to die one of these Super days. great. Love it for me. Uh, but yeah, I'm super stuffy. So, you know, here we are. But we have a really wild case. Really wild. Do you remember, Kylie? This is a case you're actually going to remember. Do you remember Phoebe Hansjuk? Yes. We got a Phoebe Hansjuk similarity tonight. Oh, okay. This one's really similar with the, the like, uh, same, atmospheric vibe you're going to get vibe. from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... We're going to have some debating at the end. Are you ready to hear this one? I'm ready. I'm actually, I'm a little bit more excited because you said that Margie has some opinions on this. So I'm like, yes. "Hmm." Yeah. Even Margie was just like, when I started talking about this case earlier tonight, we were doing dishes and I told her about this case. She's like, oh, oh man, I got feelings. (laughs) I got feelings. All right. It's because the circumstances surrounding this Ellen Ray Greenberg case They don't necessarily point to suicide, but that's the ruling that's going to get entered. So we got to talk about it. Mm. Oh, so it's like a did she kill herself or not Mm -hmm. type of debate. All right. All right. I'm here for it. The case starts out with Ellen Ray Greenberg. Ellen Ray, uh, she was born on June 23rd, 1983. She has a cancer. She shares a birthday with Jason Mraz. And that's International Widows Day. That's... Sad day. I didn't know that that's a day. Like, I guess there's a day for everything, but that's a really sad day to like have. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Unless it's in like memorial. Morphed, yeah. Like, morphed into like a happy, like, widows mm. can get together. And, I always think of I when I think of widows in general, I can't help it. I think of that episode of the Maiden of Widows Peak Pokemon episode with Ghastly. And wasn't allowed to watch Pokemon. Yeah, okay. Corey, the editor, he knows where I'm going right here. And Corey's like, oh, yeah, that episode, good episode, good episode. So thank you, Corey. Ellen was born in New York City of New York. She was born to her parents, Sandy and Joshua Greenberg. 
John, San, sorry, Sandy is spelled like Sandy in Greece, and I yeah, love it. Like I'm Sandy. here for it. <laughs> Joshua, her dad, we call Ellen a daddy's girl, and she was an only child, but she definitely was a daddy's girl. Growing up, her dad would take her to sports games, and everyone just described Ellen as loving, warm, social, and people called her Ellie for short. I love that word. I mean, name. <laughs> that Ellie? word. Yeah, yeah, Ellie. So cute. Ellen graduated from Penn State University in Pennsylvania. She loved cooking, fashion, and she loved children. So much to the point where she ended up becoming a first grade teacher. So she became a first grade teacher at Juanita Park Academy in Manayunk, Pennsylvania. At the time of the event, she was still working there. And Ellen was engaged to a man named Samuel Sam Goldberg. She lived with Sam. So Sam and Ellen had a place together. Sam was only a year older than Ellen. He had graduated from Temple University in Philadelphia a few years earlier. Currently, Sam was working as a television producer who worked for NBC Sports. Well, he did it because his last name's Goldberg. Because Joe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also, I really... messes me up that it's Greenberg and Goldberg. Yeah, that's so similar. But one of them's a B-E-R-G and one's a B-U-R-G. But I still messed it up multiple times. And I was like, oh, God dang it. Berg and Berg. Yeah. Yeah. Still, he he did it because he did it because Goldberg. Yeah, obviously. Ellen had met Sam through a mutual friend and they ended up going on a blind date. According to friends and family, she really raved about him, claiming that they never had that sort of like awkward dating stage. And her mom described him as a really, like, a charming man. After three years of dating, Sam proposed on a beach in California while the two were on a trip, and she said yes. Seasonal depression and winter depression can hit people really bad around November through February. And I bring that up because this case takes place around that time. And during that time of December through January, even though Ellen was super happy about her engagement, her life, her everything. Ellen was actually going through a bit of a rough rough patch in life and something was really wrong. So in the like the months leading up to when this case takes place, her parents said that she kept talking about wanting to quit her job and like come home. They said if she wanted to come home, she could, but they really thought she maybe needed to seek help for her stress and anxiety because it seemed like it seemed to be troubling her. She told them it's not that it's just the stress of trying to organize the wedding because she was supposed to get married the next year in August. And she had recently just sent out her save the date cards just four days before her death ends up taking place. So she's like, I just sent out all the saved dates like I've just been so busy and that work's been particularly busy, you know, because we're in the winter months. And she's like, it's just been everything piling up is essentially what she was telling her parents. Friends, which also you have to think she's a school teacher and I know she's a young kindergarten or first grade teacher, but that is harder when it's the winter months usually because you're cracking down for like the um, usually that's the end of the semester. That's also, you know, when you might have any tests or anything. That's when the parent teacher conferences are. If, you know, the school has any sort of like reportings or anything like that. And even though they're first grades, that's when parents want to know, like, how have their students been doing, even though they're first graders, you know, have they been making friends? Have they not been? 
are they on track? Are they doing good? Are they going to be graduating up to second grade? Like there's a lot to be done. Also the holidays. I was going to say, and it's all centered around also holidays. And then she's also planning a wedding. Yeah. That's a lot to put on one plate at the same time. So that makes sense. Her friends had told her parents that they started also noticing a change, though, in Ellen's personality. They said that she increasingly would always like refer back to Sam on decisions that she should make for herself. So like when they would ask her for things or to do things or anything, she would always kind of almost ask Sam's like validation, opinion or like permission. Even for things that normally she wouldn't have in the past, which is quite odd for her. Ellen's parents said they sensed something else was also wrong, but they weren't sure what it was beyond that because they knew their daughter wasn't suicidal, but they felt like something else was like pressuring her or troubling her. And I know it seems like I'm kind of just throwing this all in sporadically here, but it all leads up to the bigger picture of what people are going to insinuate is happening. So I know it's like, oh my God, you threw out the seasonal seasonal depression. Oh my God, you threw out the suicide thing. And you're throwing these things at us so fast. Like we're five minutes into the case and you threw so much at us. It's because of what people will say. Well, we think it's this. Well, we think it's this. So I got to get all of these, you know, little hints in right now so that you guys can make your own opinion later. You got to give us all the facts. All of it. When all this was happening, her father described her saying she was, quote, not the same Ellen, end quote. Because he said that Ellen seemed really nervous and anxious often, which didn't seem very much like her. And at this time, Ellen had seen a therapist a few times who had prescribed her Ambien and Klonopin for her anxiety. Now, um, if you guys don't know much about Ambien and Klonopin, some of the side effects are that it leads you to potentially suicidal thoughts and feelings. However, um... Ellen said that she did tell her family that she felt like the meds were actually helping her a bit and she was starting to feel better. And later her therapist will tell her that she did not feel like the Ambien and Clonopin or that Ellen in general seemed like a suicide risk at all. So keep all this in mind. Like, I can't even tell you to put a pin in it because you guys are going to have so many pins in this. You're going to look like (laughs) a damn pin cushion at the end of this episode. (laughs) Just like instead, just start racking all this up. Like you need to become a filing cabinet, a Rolodex at this point in this episode. A Rolodex. Nice. Thanks. I got it. I, I, I used my true crime Rolodex knowledge moment. <laughs> now, the day of this event was January 26th, 2011, and there was a blizzard that was about to hit Philadelphia. When the snowstorm started to happen, Ellen was 27 years old, like I had mentioned earlier. She was an elementary school teacher. She ended up leaving work and she went home to her apartment because the weather ended up closing down the school and everything. So she just went home around 6.40 p.m. that night. Ellen would be pronounced dead in the kitchen of her Philadelphia apartment and found by her fiance, Sam. Sam said he had to kick in the door because it was locked from the inside. Ellen was found on the kitchen floor with approximately 19 to 20 stab wounds. There were 10 in her stomach, abdomen and and chest, then 10 more in the back of her neck and head. Ellen was alone in the home with the door locked from the inside. There was no other way in or out. There was no sign of struggle and there was no defensive wounds on Ellen. However, there were 11 bruises that were in various stages of healing on her right arm, her abdomen and her right leg as well. 
but these were all older healing bruises. These bruises will come back and be noted later that were deemed potentially strangulation bruises also that are healing. There uh also there are bruises that are noted by the medical no, medical <laughs> the medical examiner and the police but they will be suggested that they are caused by contact sports. Just so you know, Ellen does not play contact sports. Okay. Due to all the circumstances, the crime scene is treated as a suicide. After all that I just said, there is no suicide note. There's a half-made bowl of fruit salad on the counter. And most people said this did not scream suicide by any means. The only witnesses to the event was the only person that was considered on the scene. And that was her fiance, Sam. Sam was reportedly really cooperative and he spoke with the police on the scene. So here's Sam's recount of the day. Sam said he knew Ellen had come home early that day because of the blizzard and since the schools had closed early. So while she's in the apartment alone, he decides to leave to go to the building's gym around 4.45 p.m. He then returns at 5.30 p.m. His key fob records from the apartment complex confirm these times along with the building camera footage. Now, there is not a camera in Ellen's hallway, but there's some at the entrance and the exit of the building that does let us know when he came home from the gym and things like that. Or when he came home, sorry, not from the gym. It doesn't show the gym itself. Are they on like a like a second floor or? Oh, hold on. I'll tell you where they are. Okay. When he returned, he he gets back up to the room at 530 and he finds that he's locked out of the apartment. So neighbors confirm hearing him shouting at Ellen through the door where he's banging on the front door. He then texts Ellen nine times. Here are the nine texts. Number one, hello. Number two, open the door. Number three, what are you doing? Number four, I'm getting pissed. Number five, hello. Number six, you better have an excuse. Number seven, what the fuck? Number eight. Ah, number nine, you have no idea. After this, Sam ends up going down to the lobby and asks the apartment building security guard if they have a tool that he could use to break in. The guard says he does not have one. And Sam asks the guard to come up and help him break down the door to his apartment. But the guard told the police and investigators he could not do that. And he has to stay at his post and he never left it. Now. Sam tells authorities that's not what happened. The guard came upstairs with him and they broke down the door together. But the guard said, no, that never happened. That's interesting. The guard also says he thought Sam was kind of odd because Sam repeatedly was like, yeah, hey, I just got back from the gym. So I was at the gym. So while I was at the gym, I just got back from the gym. (laughs) So I was at the gym, right? <clears throat> so were you were you at the gym? Sam? But that's not even what was weird about it. You want to know what he thought was the weirdest thing? He goes, "If you're at the gym, why are you wearing boots?" Oh, Sam was wearing boots. Okay, so because he's like, if you went to the gym, shouldn't you be wearing sneakers? You're not. Right. You're wearing boots. Right. At six thirty three p.m., a phone call is placed to the authorities that Ellen is in the apartment. 6.33. So we're an hour later now. Okay. So according to Sam's story, he was locked outside for over an hour with no response from Ellen. 
And he just is continuously trying to get the security guard and break down the door. And then over an hour later, he gets upstairs and gets inside. And that's when he calls the police. Now, Kylie, you're logically thinking right now, well, at least he called the police first, right? (laughs) Right? Sure. He didn't. You would think, oh, okay. He called him second, right? Right? Uh Uh-huh. He didn't. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to know who his first two phone calls were? Yes. He called his parents. And he called his attorney. Oh. Who was his uncle. Oh. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he called he called an attorney. That seems not weird at all. Now, both his parents and his uncle were already on their way to the apartment at the same time as the authorities. And it wasn't even until Sam's parents were there on site at the same time as the authorities that anyone even called Ellen's parents. That's ins- I don't. Okay. And Sam's parents called Ellen's parents to tell them what happened to her daughter. <sighs> okay. And this part I didn't write down, but if I remember correctly, they called Sandy and Sandy had to call Joshua. Like they didn't even get to both of them at the same time. And it was like, you know, the worst phone call ever. Absolutely. The dispatcher that was on the phone with Sam was talking with Sam and Sam was like, oh my God, oh my God, my fiance, oh my God, there's so much blood. But the thing is, is like, even though he's saying these dramatic things, the responder dispatcher guy was like, he was so calm on the phone. Oh, how do you say that calm? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Then the dispatcher had to keep asking him to actually describe the scene because he just kept like repeatedly saying like, oh, my God, or keep repeatedly telling him I was at the gym and I came back to this. Oh, my God. Bro. (laughs) Literal bro. Okay. Then at some point, the dispatcher tells Sam he needs to go perform CPR on Ellen because he wasn't even sure Ellen was dead because the way that Sam is describing Ellen. So he's like, you need to go perform CPR on your fiance. And Sam's response is, do I have to? Oh, okay. Yes. (laughs) What? (laughs) Three minutes into the phone call. At some point, I assume Sam is doing CPR, but we don't 100% know for sure. Oh, he... He was not (laughs) three minutes into this phone call with the dispatcher and authorities. Sam must have realized. And he says, there's a knife in Ellen's chest again. Okay, you're thinking, (laughs) oh, maybe he didn't see it. Right. No, it's not a small. It's a butcher's knife. Right. Like one of the chest. Uh Like it's a knife sticking out of her chest. Right. Okay. (coughs) Sorry. Do you want to know what he tells the dispatcher about this incident? He says, she must have fallen on it. Oh, yeah, that's totally what happened, Sam. She's sitting up against a counter with a knife through her chest. And he says, she must have fallen on it. So wait, so she's sitting like with her back on a counter. Yes. Like sitting on her butt. Yes. Okay, I got it. In the shape of. Yeah, she fell on it with her feet in front of her. And her back is touching the counter. Yes. Yeah. And I do believe that counter is the one that had like her fruit salad on it that she was eating. Okay. At this point, the 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 man on the phone, the dispatcher is like, <laughs> Sam, I need to advise you to stop doing CPR. <laughs> Which like that sounds comical at this point. But like at this point, he's just like, I don't I feel like I'm, I'm dealing with an idiot. So like, I'm just going to tell him <laughs> the truth. Like, don't touch the body. I feel like I have to warn you. This is a crime scene. Right. Because at this point, I feel like you're fucking not paying attention to what's happening here. Right. 
At this point, Ellen was declared dead at 6.40 p.m. on January 26, 2011. When the scene happened, they cleared it, but it wasn't secured. There was no officer left on door duty, and they didn't even make sure that the area was secured to the point where, like, they didn't, they, they didn't put, like, tape up. They didn't do anything. And you're going to hear how loosey-goosey this is. They didn't put tape up? They don't do anything. What? They don't do anything, technically, is what, that's what everything has said. Okay, to give you an example, okay? So Sam ends up getting led from the scene in handcuffs because he's being very cooperative. He's taken in for further questionings, but of course he says he's not going to speak without legal representation, which is actually very common and legal and correct. So, you know, go Sam for doing something correct, I guess, whatever. But the next day, Sam's uncle, the attorney, plus his cousin, they return to the apartment And they literally walk in, tell the security guard they're going upstairs to get a suit for the funeral. But when they leave, they end up taking Sam's personal laptop, Ellen's personal laptop, her work laptop and her cell phone out of the apartment because there's no one there to stop them. There's nothing stopping them. Wouldn't. okay, but wouldn't that be tampering with evidence? Well, since you mention it. The next day, January 29th, the police then take possession of those devices from the Goldberg family, but they realize they can't recover, use, or do anything about these, and everything becomes admissible in court because they say, since it's been passed off, it's now no longer evidence, and they can't use it as initial evidence claim because it's been tampered with. Yep. You remember how we've covered all of these things where, you know, authorities didn't do quite quite the best, quite the best job. Uh, I have feelings. I have feelings about mm-hmm. this one. Okay. The autopsy was then performed at the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office by Dr. Marlon Osborne, who initially ruled this case as a homicide. Osborne. <clears throat> what did I say? Osborne. <laughs> he initially ruled the case as a homicide. The next day after the autopsy, the Philadelphia Police Department backtracked and stated that Quote, the death of Ellen Greenberg has not been ruled as a homicide, actually. The homicide investigators are considering the manner of death as suspicious at this time. Suspicious. <laughs> it's a little sus. Just a little. <laughs> Apparently. Now, Just they, slightly. They mentioned that they're leaning towards suicide because there's no evidence pointing towards foul play. Supposedly. Oh, no. Just the, this, the well, knife everything. in her thing. Yeah. Okay. Just every single thing so far. <laughs> and we're not even like... Oh, guys, just wait. So the case gets reversed, and then it's officially ruled as a suicide in February 2011. Within the following months, the medical examiner quickly changes up the original ruling as well and agrees with the police, changing Ellen's cause of death to suicide. So now the medical examiner even says it's a suicide, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's really important that they do a suicide ruling because... That represents a misclassification of how Ellen dies, because if you guys don't know what the difference between a suicide and a homicide and undetermined is, here's the thing. Ellen's parents cannot seek civil damages, take things to court, find answers or do anything with this case, really, because it's a suicide like or it's it's a homicide. Her fault. Yeah, like it's done. The case is closed. Like it's over bullshit if they would literally just adjust ellen's manner to either potentially a homicide or undetermined then they can do stuff with it but the fact of the matter is they keep getting dismissed every time they try to adjust it 
And that's essentially ever since 2011, all her family's her family has literally they're not even essentially trying to solve it technically at this point. They're just trying to get it put to undetermined so they can at least do something because they know that something's wrong here. But they're like so distraught that they're like, we can't even attempt to do anything because like we can't we can't do anything. We can't move. Right. They're stuck. It's like being stuck in check. Like you you're so close to being in checkmate, but like you have nowhere to go. You can't do anything like it's so ridiculous. Authorities said the ruling of Ellen's death as a suicide seemed rushed and inaccurate because there were other things that were not considered. Like the fact there actually was another entryway into the apartment that wasn't considered. The sliding glass doors. Those are what? Yeah. Those are 100% entryways. <laughs> Correct. Except for it's the same sliding glass doors that are six floors up. They had no signs of disruption in the snow that was present on the balcony and they were locked at the time. So saying those are a cause is just as likely as saying the front door was a cause. So and remember, we're in the midst of a snowstorm, so we probably would have seen something on them because of the disruption of snow and stuff. And we are six floors up. Someone would have seen something and there's cameras out front. So OK, actually, OK, OK, OK. <laughs> actually, them ruling out the sliding glass doors does make a lot of sense. Ellen Greenberg was considered a suicide and the case was completely closed at this point. Ellen's family was hurt because they said that they felt like they were being ignored and just overlooked at this point. Then in 2015, so four years later, a person named Guy DeAndrea, who was an assistant district attorney in Philadelphia's homicide unit, started looking into the case. He started to like pick some of the things apart of the case because he was like, there's no way this case is closed just like that because it's it's fucking messed up. Right. Like. You just look at it and you see the errors blinding you. He said, like the locked apartment concept, he heard the term that the, that this was like a locked apartment, right? And like everyone heard locked apartment, that she's inside a locked apartment, locked from the inside. It's a locked apartment, right? Every time someone heard this, everyone assumed that she's in a room with a locked door that's dead bolted, right? Like that's what you thought probably when I kept saying locked apartment. Yeah. No. The only lock that was locked on her apartment was a hotel style room latch, like one of those like. With it kind of looks like a little knob and then it has like the little ring that flips over the knob. Does okay. that make sense? Yes. I will put a picture of it on the Instagram, but that was what was locking her door. Not even her locks were locked. That locked her door. Now. He said, there's a few things you can lock and unlock those from either side of the door. That's been proven millions of times by showing you how you need to be like. Be more vigilant in hotel rooms, and that's why they say women sometimes don't feel safe in hotel rooms is because that's not the only way of safety. Right. And like, that's why there's all those TikToks showing women how to be safer in hotel rooms, Ugh. things like that. So many of those are so freaking scary, too. So scary. I have you ever, Side note, have you ever seen the ones about women being like. Hey, if you're on a fucking cruise, here's how to be safe. I'm like, oh, my God, I now have to be scared of being out in the ocean. <coughs> right. Oh, my God. And you I can't even get away. Uh, no. Terrifying. Nope. But um, so he's like, OK, so that's debunked. But also, let's like talk about that one one more time. So you remember how Sam kicked in the door? Uh huh. So wouldn't you assume that that lock would be broken, ripped off and damaged if yes. he kicked in a door and that lock was locked? Yes. 
yeah, one single tiny screw was missing from the edge of that lock and that's it. But remember, he got in the apartment. Isn't that kind of weird? That's a little. Was the screw like unscrewed? (laughs) It just looked like it was missing. Okay. And no one like found it on the ground, but then again, no one searched for it. Right. But also, you're not going to kick a door in that's locked like that without damaging that lock slightly. Yeah. That's literally impossible. It's going to come out of the wood of the door. It's going to come out. And again, I'll show that on the Instagram, but when you see the picture, you're like, there's no damage. There's literally none. Another thing that this person looked into was the wounds that Ellen had. So one of the first stab wounds to the neck. Okay. They're claiming this is a suicide. And I'm going to post the picture on the Instagram. This one is the most crazy case ever that you guys have to look up the things on the Instagram. Kylie's going to right now Google Ellen Greenberg stab wounds so she can also see this. Working on it. Because there's 20 stab wounds and these are supposedly all self-inflicted because she committed suicide. And you're going to see where these stab wounds are located in her back of her head and neck. Okay. And she did this to herself to commit suicide. Yeah, Kylie just saw him. Her face. (laughs) Okay. um, You don't believe anything about this case now, do you? No. This is impossible, isn't it? I don't even have to work in the medical field to know this, but I mean, I I did work in a medical field and I can tell you for a fact this is impossible. Okay, so Kylie and I have both very different medical fields. Hers is humans and mine is not. We have both worked in the medical field and we're going to both tell you right now from medical standpoints, this case is impossible. It's an impossible way to be a suicide. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I'm, gonna, I'm upset now. I'm going to talk about these, these stab wounds. You ready? Now that you've seen them firsthand. Yeah. So one of the first few stabs was actually the one to the back of her neck that lacerated her spinal cord. Therefore, she was rendered incapable of fighting back. That's why there's no defensive wounds. But that also means that her other wounds cannot be explained because she wouldn't have been able to physically turn around and stab herself in the back of her head and neck. Also, let's talk about who is killing themselves like that. By stabbing yourself like 10 plus times in the back of your head and neck. Behind yourself. Yes. Like I can't, and I then, can't even. And okay. Yeah, I'm not even done. Okay. I'm not even done. Yep. Huh. And then you stab it, plunge it through your heart. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just. Mm, okay. There's also a huge gash that was found on the top of Ellen's head, which looks like if. They what Guy D'Andrea thought is he says it honestly looks like she was struck with something from behind, which if she was standing over her counter eating a half made bowl of fruit and she was struck from behind, it makes logical sense, he said, which he's like, I'm going to bring that up again. So he's like, hey, let's talk about the stab or like the wounds to the back of her head and neck. So he takes these questions over to the medical examiner that did the original like autopsy and examination, right? And they were like, oh, well, actually, our neuropathologist examined her spinal column at the time. And they said that the knife didn't actually pierce her column. So she was fine. OK, so DeAndrea is like, oh, OK, um, can I see your neuropathologist report? And they're like, oh, well, we lost it. It can't be found anymore. Convenient. Yeah. So then he's like, OK, that's fine. Um, who was it? <laughs> so they tell him and then he looks into that. Yeah. 
that medical examiner's office didn't have a neuropathologist on staff at that time when her body was being exhumed. The fuck. And then they later found out that there was never a record of her even being commissioned to be studied. And they took parts of her spinal column, but they never did anything with them. They just have it. Yeah. Okay. So because they just had it, you know what they did? Uh, Her family hired their own personal neuropathologist. And because there's portions of Ellen's spinal column at the medical examiner's office still, they tested it right then and there. And guess what they find out? Something new, I hope. Yes, they found out something new. They found out it was true. Ellen's spinal cord had been severed and her brain was penetrated by two of the forceful stabs in the neck so bad that she wouldn't have been able to defend or actually harm her own self after those blows. So there's no way she could have done these to herself. Because she would have essentially almost been like, um, what is it called when you can't move? Paralyzed. Yeah, she would have almost been paralyzed. Would have been immediate paralysis. So then the family decided to start hiring other different outsiders, like, because they're like, well, clearly we need to hire like other people in this case. And each time they did, they started finding new wild shit that was like, just like new information in the case. So, for instance, the family hired a new crime scene analyst. Analyst? Analyst. Yep. Yep. I don't know where I got that. It's fine. The analyst noted that Ellen had been moved during the crime at some point. Oh. Before, like, the police had gotten there. Just from, like, the the blood? Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. They noted that she was found seated on the floor, propped up against the kitchen cabinets, right? But there was a streak of coagulated blood that ran as a horizontal line from her nose to her ear, meaning that she actually was originally laying down at some point. Also, her blood splatters on the toe of her Ugg boots suggested at some point she was standing when some of her wounds were inflicted. So she wasn't always in that sitting position and she wouldn't have fell in that exact position. So like she was also moved into that sitting position. She was standing Uh and then she was laying and then moved into the sitting. So she was moved multiple times. But also, uh, (laughs) like... Where's all this other blood if she was stabbed 19 times? Like, the scene is a very clean scene. I will also post a picture of the crime scene. You guys, the only blood in this room is, like, a little bit of blood on the counter. Or, I mean, on the cabinet. I'm talking, like, if I put all this blood in a container, three tablespoons of blood in this whole room. After 20 stab wounds. Yeah. Something else that wasn't mentioned earlier, Ellen's body. Um, there was a clean white kitchen towel in her hand. I kind of like said something about that, but like it wasn't mentioned in any of the reports. Yeah, this woman supposedly stabbed herself 20 times, but she had a clean, 100% clean, pure white kitchen towel still in her hand. Because that makes sense. <laughs> like, it's like bleached and everything. Yeah, with nothing on it, no blood even. How? How is that possible? So in 2017, a forensic neuropathologist named Wayne Ross had a theory about the bruises. He said that the bruises that were found on the body that weren't the like weren't though anything to do with the stab wounds, the actual bruises. Right. He said they were evidence of strangulation. And he noted saying, quote, there were multiple bruises over the body, some of which were fresh, much many of which were older and the patterns were consistent 
with repeated beatings. End quote. As all this was coming to light, it obviously was a lot longer after the incident. So the police had originally used the fact that Ellen was medicated and in therapy to support their theory that it was a suicide attempt. So they were like, oh, you know, she was on Klonopin. That's actually what made her kill herself. Oh, you know, she was in therapy for anxiety. That's why she killed herself. Oh, she was actually like really upset. She was, oh, she was the, oh, oh, oh. Well, then that's when her psychiatrist, Dr. Ellen Berman, came forward. And she's like, yeah, I saw Ellen three times before she died. I'm the one that actually gave her the meds and I cleared her 100%. She is not a suicide risk. There was no way that was a suicidal person. So like even the person that should have deemed her a suicide risk said that that probably wasn't the case. Then on March 15th, 2019, the Philadelphia Inquirer released a front page investigation report reviewing the suspicious circumstances surrounding the case. The Pittsburgh Forensic forensic pathologist named Cyril Wetched, who actually worked on the JFK assassination theories, had reviewed the case and determined it was strongly suspicious of homicide. And he even said he didn't know how they could write it off as a suicide. I don't know either. <laughs> like, it's so ha- like none of it really possible. How uh, I have I have feelings. If that wasn't enough, then a forensic scientist named Henry Lee who actually testified in the defense of the O.J. Simpson trial, came forward, reviewed the case files, and concluded the number and type of wounds and bloodstain patterns observed are all consistent with a homicide scene. Like, these are all very, like, big names. Big people, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> they know what they're talking about. So Wayne Ross, the forensic pathologist, he wrote that the stab wounds to the brain and spinal cord would have caused severe pain cranial nerve dysfunction, and traumatic brain injuries. Therefore, again, stating she could not have done these to herself. In October 2019, Sandy and Joshua Greenberg filed a civil suit against the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office and Dr. Marlon Osborne. Born? Osborne. Why? Every time. (laughs) Osborne. The pathologist who had conducted the autopsy originally that I Messed up his name the first time, and I'm going to keep doing, apparently. That's fine. He's kind of a fucked hard. <laughs> the suit seeked to change the manner of death from homicide to undetermined, at least, because they said they were citing all this new information, and they said that he clearly admitted to changing the manner of death at the insistence of police. So clearly, like, he even thought that he was in the wrong for changing it. So they're like, will you at least change it back or change it from homicide to undetermined? And, you know, that, yeah. So why didn't they just, you know, sue the police? Um, that's not as easy as you'd think. I know. Okay. But they, ha- I just feel well, like they so have they the filed, evidence to do it. Yeah. So they filed this civil suit and then <clears throat> photogrammetry, which was unavailable at the time of her death, but it was available later. It created a 3D anatomical recreation of her wounds. Okay. And when they did this, it demonstrated that her stab wounds could not have been self-inflicted. And they were like, oh, cool. Let's bring this up, right? Like literally like the angle of them and all of that. They proved like the way that it was, she would have not been able to. Yeah, that didn't help the case. No one cared. Okay. In January 2020, the Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas allowed the case to proceed past the motion to the dismiss stage. The trial was set to begin in 2021, finally. But also in 2020, 
Sandy and Joshua Greenberg told the DailyMail.com that they have a mountain of evidence to support their conviction that Ellen was murdered and they will not rest until the truth is acknowledged. I don't blame them. Honestly. And it's their only child. Right. The hits just kept coming in 2020. The Philadelphia court, um, county court agreed to hear the lawsuit that the Greenberg family had that they were filing against Dr. Osborne, the man who had conducted Ellen's autopsy that I've mentioned, and the one against the Philadelphia County Medical Examiner. So finally, they were like at least starting to get some some traction. traction. Yeah. <laughs> now, all the investigators who Daily Mail had spoken to noted that something was really interesting about the case. And I've slightly like brought this up here and there, but this is when it starts getting talked about again. And like, this is when it gets hit public because the Daily Mail talks about it. They say there was very little blood at the crime scene. It made people wonder, did someone try to clean up the crime scene before calling authorities? Like, what if there was almost like, let's say like an hour long time frame that someone could have cleaned the crime scene or something hypothetically? What if? What if? However, instead of testing that with a luminal test or anything to give insight to this theory, the police did nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense for this. Mm-hmm. Just keep on the, 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 <laughs> the lazy lack of uh, authority. Doing yeah. In August 2022, the Chester County District Attorney's Office announced that they were going to reopen investigation into Ellen Greenberg's death. Shortly after the Pennsylvania Attorney General relinquished the case due to saying there was a conflict of interest now in it. So now we're hitting like present day. This all happened in 2011. Right. We're in 2023 and we're still having like no solutions, mind you. So what's happening in 2023? Let's let's give you an an update. Sam Goldberg is now remarried to a woman named Caroline Faye Cheney. The couple got married in 2014, only three years after the death of Ellen Greenberg. Sam is now the father of two children. His family lives in New York. There is not much about him in the news these days, and many people think he's the culprit behind the death of Ellen, but nothing's been proven, and there's been no formal investigations into him, and he keeps a low profile. Two children. Mm -hmm. How old are they? I have no idea. I mean, the couple only got together afterwards. Like, the he had his children after he got married. Okay. Yeah, it's not like a... Shady situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In also September of 2023, there was a court panel, which September 2023, that's just like right around the corner. That happened to keep in mind. There was a court panel that upheld the ruling of Ellen's death as a suicide instead of changing it to homicide or undetermined. Despite the court's panel of judges deeming the evidence to be deeply flawed. They said the whole event is deeply flawed. That's their exact words. Okay. Here's some things they even brought up in the court case. The judges brought this up. Mind you, the judges. Okay. Okay. A knife in her apartment was overturned, like somewhere else, like on the counter or somewhere, meaning it was suggesting that it could have been something that maybe was involved in a struggle, hence the gash on the back of her head that rendered her unconscious and making her unable to defend herself, making it seem like, hmm, Maybe she did try to originally fight back. And that's why someone, you know, hit her over the head. And maybe that's why they stabbed her in the back of the neck to deem her unable to fight back. As if, you know, she was attacked. Right. Like most suicide victims are attacked by themselves. 
Yes, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You guys get what Kylie and I are getting at here, right? You're picking it up? Okay. (laughs) Second, she filled her gas tank that day, which like that sounds super trivial, but that's like a big thing that like also the psychologists and everyone are really digging into. They're like, she's not suicidal because she filled her gas tank that day. (laughs) Like that sounds silly, but if money, man, (laughs) if you're suicidal, you are not thinking about that that kind of a thing yeah like she literally left work in the middle of a snowstorm and she still stopped to fill her gas tank before coming home that is not something that if you were about to come home and kill yourself that day that you would even consider doing you would be so out of touch with your own mentality and reality that you would have came home not considering that and And not make fruit salad either (laughs) and these sound so silly like but i I I do get that like that the moment they said that at first when I heard that I was like what are you talking about but then when they kind of break it down I'm like no yeah that that does kind of make sense like yeah it does it does does. and then lastly something that's brought up a lot is there is no note she seems like someone that would do that that's exactly what it is is she is she is the type of person person. yeah and like her family and everyone mentioned that they're like there's no no. And now everyone else is kind of like, yeah, there's no no. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. So one of the judges, Judge Ellen Ciesler, had the following things to say about the case. And she is one of the judges on the panel that refuses to overturn this case. And this is her exact like thing that she says about the case. <clears throat> the facts surrounding this matter are extremely disturbing. And the parents' tireless efforts over the past 12 years to learn exactly what happened to their daughter on the evening of January 26, 2011. Warrant our sincere sympathy. The experts they enlisted have all raised serious factual questions about Dr. Osborne's and Dr. Galino's conclusions, and even the medical examiner's office now concedes that there is no dispute that evidence in the record could support other conclusions about the manner of death. It's just, it's, it's hard to take that seriously at this point. Right. How do you sit on this panel and vote and just. Okay. Now, this particular judge mentioned how they were exceptionally upset about how the crime scene had been cleaned up, it seemed, before police could arrive on scene and that it seemed like it was suspicious. They said there was no record of officers talking to or about a cleanup crew, but there is a video of the crime scene prior to the cleanup. But unfortunately, that video is unaccounted for. Uh, um, what? <laughs> yeah. Some I wonder shady shit going on here. I wonder if you have to have a unanimous vote on that panel of judges or not. <clears throat> I don't but know. also, I don't see how you can listen to all of this and not vote to at least have it be undetermined, if nothing else. Yeah. If at least nothing else. At the very least. We've heard cases that are even less weird that I would potentially have. Yeah, like the slightest, tiniest bit of evidence is turned over and we're like, oh, nope, it's undetermined. But this, like, why? Why? This is just after the ruling, Ellen's parents were so extremely upset because once again, they seemed like they were being failed despite practically agreeing with the judges and the judges agreeing with them, saying that everything seems off about the case. And once again, they're failed by the system. After... 10 years almost of trying 10 plus years at this point. Right. So Ellen's parents plan to appeal the decision 
from the state Supreme Court. And also the death is currently going to be reviewed by the Chester County District Attorney's Office. And the family is currently pursuing a separate, a separate civil lawsuit that's alleging that they have a cover up over her death currently. No Alan. kidding. I mean, where what else would you conclude from all of that? And meanwhile, it sucks even more because like he's just out here living a normal, fine life. Yeah. And there are some things you can find out about him interacting with the family. After Ellen's death, he did interact with the family a little bit. And he, you know, he seemed very um, civil and also very apologetic and kind and respectful to the family. But then slowly as time went on, he's like, you know, like we all have to move on with our lives. And it seemed like, you know, they grew apart. But also, if you loved this daughter that much and stuff, and I feel like if you these these people would have almost been your parents in laws and stuff like that. I feel like there's no way you could have grew that far apart that you would have just not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The The parental I, situation is is a thin line because like. You can be like, well, my son didn't do it, but also I love you. Like, you know what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could kind of be playing both sides of the story because like there's no way you could imagine your son doing something that horrendous to someone. But then on the other end, you're like, oh, well, I, I really loved her. And OK, because yeah. I feel like if I died tomorrow under some mysterious <clears throat> wild circumstances and they think that Margie did it. OK, now, first off, I feel like my parents, my, my parents would fight to try and find it out, obviously. Right. But also, if they later find out that Margie did not do it and stuff like that, I feel like Margie cares enough about my family. Margie cared enough about me and Margie. They care enough about Margie. Margie and them would stay in each other's lives, even if Margie moves on and has a new life and a new family and stuff. Margie would tell her new partner, her new life, be like, hey, I know this is slightly odd, but that's like kind of like my extended family. Right. It's just like a thing. And I know that that happens for some families because I actually we have a listener named Sam and she was married in the past. They got a divorce and now she's engaged and she is still very close with her older mother in law, like to the point where she was telling me how she bought her a Christmas gift and they talk and blah, blah. And she's like, it's because she was such a vital part of my life for so many years. And my current fiance understands this and stuff because you don't give up those true family bonds. If you really cared enough about them and they care about you, it becomes a family bond in a sense. I have feelings about that. <laughs> well, I, and I know there are some differences. I know that's not the case for everything. However, that to me, if he cared enough about Ellen and Ellen passed away and stuff like that, and he really does have this guilty conscience and everything, I feel like he would have stayed in the parents' families if he didn't do it. But that also makes me think he did do it because he's like, I can't even handle being around these parents. Because I can't even, I can't even, I, 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 yeah, I guess it would be different. Cause like, I'm thinking of a sense of like being divorced and like, you just like cut ties. Most people just cut ties. That's what happened with me. But like, if my ex had suddenly died, that would be a different story. Yeah. Which I'm trying to put it in that perspective, but it's harder because I don't know that many people where their significant other died. So Sam's yeah. the closest thing I have, even though her husband did not die. But that's the closest thing I have in a sense. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't know. I know I'm I'm not ever supposed to say like, oh, I think they did it. But no, bro, the, the husband did it. hundred percent. Whatever he is. No, nah, he he did it. I and this attorney guy, this this uncle of his is a shady bitch and is pulling some strings somewhere with the mafia like, or something. This stupid. reminds me of Phoebe Hansduck. The guy did it, obviously. Uh-huh. Ant. Ant did it. <laughs> that was his name. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I didn't just make that up. And you know what Phoebe Hansduck reminds me of all the time? Huh? Oscar Pistorius. Yeah. And you know who did it in that one? Fucking Oscar. Yep. Because these men have these tiny dick syndromes <laughs> and kill these beautiful, strong, independent, amazing women because they can't fucking handle it. She is so pretty. She is. Ellen Greenberg is gorgeous. You know what else? Reva Steenkamp, Oscar Pistorius. She was gorgeous. You know what else? Phoebe Hansjock, Aunt Fuckface. She was gorgeous. And you know what? I think it's that these men are afraid that these women are going to do better, going to leave them, going to do something. They can't handle it. They can't deal with it. They got this tiny dick little syndrome or something. Yep. And then, you know, maybe something set them off or maybe something happened. Maybe they're afraid they're going to leave them or something. I don't know what their fucking deal is, but you know what? Breakups happen, my bro. You need to chill the fuck out. For real, though. You do not need to murder your fucking girlfriend, fiance or wife because they don't fucking want to be with you anymore. There's other fish in the sea. There really are. I'm sorry. Sorry your first one didn't work out. Go try again. Ugh. But he so did frustrating. it. Oh, yeah. He. Uh, yes. How do you feel, Kylie? No, that's how I feel. A hundred percent. Like he did it. And there's no like I I have had I'm so sick of the police in this. Yes, I have had so many similar situations in in this podcast where I'm just like, how the fuck do they still have jobs? How are they still here being a protector for people that are in these these areas, like these towns that have like, do you feel safe? You, you people in, where is it? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. <laughs> it was a P. <laughs> you were just going to start naming all the P places. Yeah. But st- still, like, seriously, if I heard that and I was like, okay, you have this, 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 and this. All is evidence. And you the didn't do this, you- this, and this. I don't fucking trust you anymore if I lived there. The moment you see the stab wounds, if yeah. literally all I would have had to do is see the stab wounds. I'm like, oh, okay. So she was murdered. Yeah. She was murdered. And it, maybe it wasn't the dude. Okay. Fucking whatever. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he hired a hitman. Maybe uh, it wasn't him. Maybe it was some random person that broke into the apartment. Maybe something, which I will say, I, I didn't mention this the whole time. So I guess, fuck me. I didn't say this. The cameras outside the building show that the entire time from the moment she gets home to the moment the police arrive not a single person that does not live inside that building entered or left the building through any entrance of the building no, on any I, camera i think it was him and i think he knew that he needed to like text her all those things to yeah to add so on granted, to that whatever or maybe someone else lives in the apartment that's a fucking murderer and he helped them and he there's a you know maybe a hitman lives on floor five yeah fuck it whatever i don't care what the fuck happened this man's in on it that's all i gotta say and you know what he helped clean up the crime scene and every other fucking thing about this however the moment you see these stab wounds the fact that you can rule this as suicide means that you don't give two fucks about your job or this family or anything, because there's no way you can look at this and attempt that thought. 
even people that aren't I mean, we know a lot about things like that. But if we went out and been like in the, and showed the picture that you can see on Google when you search this, do you think this was a suicide? And they'd be like, what the fuck? No. Like, there's no way. <laughs> there's just no it's it's comical at that point. I I mean, I showed Margie and Margie literally was just like, no, no. Yeah. Impossible. They need better attorneys or something. I don't know. I don't so know. I can't wait. People had a lot of opinions about Phoebe Hansduck and the people that didn't know about that case were just like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really wanted to bring this one out of the woodwork to talk about because it's just like that. I can't believe there's cases like this that we I cannot genuinely... either. I cannot either. I have like two or three more that I got to throw at you guys too soonish where Sweet. they're like, Oh, is this a murder or a suicide? <laughs> it just okay. completely baffles me that you even have that question for this. For this, it's one. just it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So this wasn't a um. I this was I guess requested by me because I wanted to do a similar to Phoebe Hansjuk. So that doesn't count. But that's because people <laughs> liked Phoebe Hansjuk, and I was thinking like, oh, what should we end the year on? And um, I wanted this to be the last episode of the year but then i was like no we got to do something fun for the last one of the year so i was like i gotta throw this towards the end of the year so we'll do a a cryptid for the last one wait is this the last one of the year no yes Yes. (laughs) oh well that's math (laughs) good job (laughs) proud of you (laughs) ended the year on a good note Yeah, because this will release Wednesday. Oh, shit, I fucked up. And the next one is Wednesday. (laughs) Damn, I really fucked that one up, didn't I? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know how calendars work. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Well, um, I tried. Blame Kylie's COVID, because that's what screwed up all my dates. Oh, yeah, that probably is 100% what happened. I'm sorry. That's actually exactly what happened, because I pushed everything back one week. Yep. I was going to make a fun, a fun one for the last end of the year but instead now this is and everyone can get really mad for the end of 2023 and be pissed also there are some things you can do for ellen greenberg you can like look things up sign petitions do things talk about um like you can sign petitions about bringing her uh name to the forefront of like court petitions and stuff like that so look into the case if you're really interested about it you should do that oh i have yeah it's yeah it's definitely worth it dig into this case more if you're really into it but thanks again guys for listening and we really hope you guys talk about this case with us because this is one of those where it's just i mean we are very strong in our opinions we know we we don't even say like oh we think we know no we know we know we know so but feel free to tell us how you guys feel and what you guys think you know about this case as well thank you for joining us after dark we can't wait to chat with you next week for another new episode sleep tight hey listener did you have some feedback about this week's case or maybe you want to chat with us maybe you even have a suggestion you'd like to throw our way we're always just a click away you can easily find all of our socials on linktree through cryptic soup pod which is available in our instagram bio You can also join the CSP Discord where we would love to chat with you.
Thank you for joining us this week and make sure to check out our sources available in the description if you want to dive deeper into this case. Don't forget to show your support and love for CSP by leaving a review and rating wherever you normally listen. Next week, we will be back with a new episode where you can join in on the conversation after dark. Cryptic Soup Pod is a podcast that contains sensitive material at times. We understand that sometimes the subjects are too much for some of the listeners. We thank each and every one of you for being a member of the community and always supporting us. Thank you for everything, and we'll see you next time. So stay tuned. What are you pulling on? What do you want? I don't what know. Do What's this do? What are you, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. I just want to find a cord to see if there's a cord for this. That goes to my uh, uh, streaming box. Hold on. I will go get you a cord if you no, stop. No, I just, um, I'll find one. No, there's not one in here. I usually can find one. I, I took just, it away. Mm, I'll just look around. I'll just <laughs> touch some stuff. Usually if I just tug on some things, I find one. That's what he really wants you to do. <laughs> Phoebe hands jock, which... Phoebe, hand. Lena, put your hands down. You don't need to talk with your hands because this is why you punch your microphone. And then this is why the listeners have to hear giant pajunks in their ears all the time is because you punch your mic. Anyways, Lena, <clears throat> hands uh-huh. down at your sides. I get heated and then I talk with my hands. Uh huh.